it's time for an exciting new episode of The Writing Storm. Uh, This is the literary segment of the Neighborhood News Radio Show. I am your host, Raymond F. Quinton, one of the masterminds among many masterminds here at Neighborhood News Radio. Today we're going to uh, read uh, something kind of special to me. Today I will be reading another chapter from my second memoir book, because I think the book is just awesome. It's called Writing by the Seat of My Pants, book number two, and that's spelled T-O-O with an exclamation mark. And as I've always said, satire is a very sophisticated way of writing, and, and not a lot of people are very good at writing satire really well, and uh, I believe that's one of my strengths. And if I don't say that's one of my strengths, who can I depend on to say that? And I have written multiple books. And this is probably my eighth book. Uh, I keep my lose track. I have a few in the works right now. But this is my second memoir book. And I have a chapter that is dedicated to one of my heroes. One of my heroes is Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, who is a... uh, a black intellectual educator, Princeton uh, educated uh, writer, lecturer, intellectual, and I really appreciate the fact that he's an intellectual. I went to one of his book readings for Tears We, his book he wrote, Tears We Cannot Stop, got an autographed copy, and it occupies a very special place in my bookshelf. This chapter is dedicated to Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, and it's titled writer rock stars why i want to be a dr michael eric dyson groupie slash roadie and uh, it's pretty outrageous so sit back and relax once again this is uh, another installment of the writing storm here on neighborhood news radio and we'll be reading a few pages from the book so again chapter from my book writing by the seat of my pants book two Writer rock stars. Why I want to be a Dr. Michael Eric Dyson groupie slash roadie. Bracelets Woolworth doesn't sell Better go to Tiffany's to buy them, baby Till that lucky day You know darn well Now you're talking, baby Baby I can't give you anything but L-O-V-E-A-B-C-D-E Reading, page one I first met Dr. Michael Eric Dyson at a book reading slash signing at the Powell's Books a few years ago. Well, I didn't actually meet him. I was first in his presence and nearest to him at that time. It was at that same reading that he first became aware of me. Well, maybe not so much aware as possibly annoyed with me. What happened seemed perfectly normal to me. I watched Hard Day's Night with the Beatles a few days earlier and realized that I, what I had to do. I was afraid at first, but after I stopped thinking about it, fear morphed into courage. All the chairs were full at the reading. As usual, Portland people sat respectfully and listened, showing no emotion or commitment to his words. 
Dr. Dyson read a first passage from his new book, Tears We Cannot Stop, then segued into one of his tantric intellectual improvisational soliloquies. As he got going, I jumped up on the nearby table, lit a candle, and while waving it and swaying from side to side, yelled, Dr. Dyson, you rock! Woohoo! Then, even though everyone was seated and the aisle was clear, I jumped down and uh, while acting like there was a mob of fans between me and Dr. Dyson, forced my way to the front, kneeled and pretended Dr. Dyson was on a stage and stared and wept as he tried to continue reading. But he seemed very uncomfortable, but I didn't care because I was in the presence of pure genius. I wailed with joy and awe. I was removed from the reading by a bulky, probably bodybuilding security guard without much effort or resistance. I was, after all, not there to create a scene. I was simply overwhelmed by the amazing intellectual prowess of Dr. Dyson and his message of hope and affirmation, and I had days before committed my life to following him wherever he went. You see, I am a Dr. Eric Michael Dyson. Roadie slash groupie, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is my story. You might ask, why would anyone choose a black academic intellectual to obsess about? Well, dear friends, Dr. Dyson is exactly the kind of person we should obsess about. A man whose brain is so finely tuned to process ideas and concepts that it defies all processing. Dr. Dyson's ability to perform intellectual improvisation reminds me of Art Tatum, Errol Garner, Bill Evans, Mary Lou Williams, and Herbie Hancock all rolled up into one brilliant word-wielding genius. To me, Dr. Dyson is the Beatles of wordsmithing, the Stones and Michael Jackson of talking and writing, and frankly, I don't understand why there aren't crowds flooding the doors of every one of his appearances. Uh, maybe they just haven't figured out what I have figured out and his message of racial unity and inclusiveness is the most important issue in our society. Page two. That is why I founded the Dr. Dyson Fan Club. That's why I have a Twitter fan page, a Pinterest fan page, an Instagram fan page, and all the other social media fan pages you can think of glorifying the genius of Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. To date, I have 20 members in my fan club, mostly college professors, but I think I'm breaking through to younger people. I think they're finally seeing Dr. Dyson as the social change merchant that he is. And I think a lot of non-academic white people are coming around, too. Uh, that's encouraging to me. His message is so pure and so refined. Uh, I just need to help get the word out to everybody. If all works out, I'll also be able to sell more Dyson baseball hats with the Dyson quote that says, What disturbs or assures us about race has very little to do with blood or biology. Race is about how you use language. Understand your heritage. Interpret your history. Identify with your kin. Figure out what your meaning and worth to a society that pleases values that places values on you beyond your control. And it's also about what people see you as or take you to be. It was hard to get all that 
type on the hat. So it, it covers the whole outside and some of the inside. Um, I was also super excited when I sold a t-shirt I had printed that says, make your brain big with Dyson. Look, at, uh, I never said I was a marketing genius, uh, but I know genius when I see it, hear, and smell it. And Dr. Dyson is a genius. For the past year, I had been to every public Dr. Dyson event I could get into. Symposiums, seminars, panels. I mortgaged my house in June and sold all my stocks so I could continue my quest to follow Dr. Dyson wherever he goes and share his true genius with the world. I've done it without regret, reflection, or, or any kind of inkling that my obsession with a college professor might be inappropriate. It's the right thing to do. According to me, everything was working out just fine. Fine, that is, until I got arrested. Uh, it's amazing how life can change in an instant, how we can come face to face with destiny and be forced to re-examine our priorities and other things, sometimes on the spot and without much forewarning. Uh, here's what caused things to change so dramatically one fateful day. Dr. Dyson was giving a lecture at Howard University. I organized a small group of existentialist professors to stand outside of the Howard University Library chanting, White empathy must be cultivated. The practice of empathy, empathy means taking a moment of, to imagine how you might behave if you were in, in, your, in our position. Do not tell us how we should act if we were you. Imagine how you would act if you were us. Imagine living in a society where uh, your white skin marks you for, uh, for disgust, hate, and fear. Imagine that for many moments, dot, dot, dot. Only when you see black folks as we are and imagine yourselves as we have to live our lives, only then will the suffering stop, the hurt cease, the pain go away. So, that's one of Dr. Tyson's tips. We use the djembe drum and bullhorn to keep time while we chanted. Yeah, it was a little awkward, but it got people's attention. And when the cops started harassing us and the MPD asked us to disperse, instead of cowering to those thugs, one of the professors threw a burning copy of Saul D. Alinsky's Rule for Radicals at them and yelled, Read this, motherfuckers! All hell broke out. Some of us started writing poetry about when we were, what we were experiencing. Others threw number two pencils at the cops. Many just ran away. Me, I stood my ground and started writing a dissertation on uh, intimidation tactics of amp academic intellectuals against brutish MPD stormtroopers and the social implications. One cop, probably a Marxist, picked up the half-burned copy of Alinsky's book, wrote socialist on the cover and threw it back. We were all aghast, and shit got real after that. The mayhem didn't last long. Tear gas and pepper spray left us all reading on the ground, crying for our mommies. We surrendered. Otherwise, the streets would have run red with, well, our dry erase markers. We had boxes of them, and we were not afraid to use them. As I sat in jail, I was self-righteous in my convictions and knew I was doing the right thing. Every hour on the hour, I stood up, banged on the cell door, and demanded a latte, my yoga mat, and asked one of the guards if he would do some contact improvisation with me. 
I assured him it was not a sexual thing, but uh, involved a lot of stamina, weight, touch, and, and movement awareness. He wasn't impressed. In retaliation, he decided to move me to solitary confinement so I would stop asking. They didn't really have a solitary con- an isolated enough place to be solitary confinement, so they put me in the basement near the boiler uh, with the canine team. I love dogs, but that's not what we're all about. It's all about the glorification of Dr. Dyson. I sat in the corner brooding about my situation when I heard footsteps. You know, the spot in the basement was way away from everything and everyone, so the footsteps uh, sounds lasted for like 15 minutes, echoing off the walls as they got louder, crescendoing in front of me with a clank and click of rattling keys and an opening door. I heard a gruff voice say, turn off the footstep sounds effects app uh, on your phone for uh, here. The guard shined a flashlight on my eyes so he was obscured by the light. Uh, I tried to block the light with my uh, hand and strained to see who was there. Uh, your Mr. Quinton? A familiar voice asked. Dr. Dyson Groupie continued. At first I thought it was my imagination playing tricks with me. Uh, delirium from uh, latte deprivation. Private first class, Quinton, serial number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If you want any info out of me, you'll have to beat it out of me, I yelled. Uh, um, I'd said that and I'd seen that in the movies uh, a million times. Easy there, partner, the voice said. I'm here to get you out of here. I suddenly recognized the voice. It was Dr. Dyson. Holy shit, I said. You're here. What are you doing here? I'm here to get you out. Here are your personal belongings and your signs. Let's go get something to eat. You look like shit. Yes, sir, Mr. Dyson. As I passed the burly guard, I stared him down, refusing to blink. I pushed my face up to his and whispered, When I get out of here, I'm going to write an iambic pentameter poem about, about you and your mother, motherfucker. I could still hear the guard laughing as Dr. Dyson and I left the station and I got into his Prius. We were silent all the way to the new vegan cafe. I was sitting next to an intellectual genius, my freaking hero, and I didn't know what to say. He was clever, too, and said nothing, building up the suspense. When we got to the restaurant, we walked inside, and the owner greeted Dr. Dyson with familiarity. He sat us at a booth tucked away in the far corner of the restaurant. The clattering of silverware and plates and chatting, chatty diners was muted in this little pocket of the restaurant. We made ourselves comfortable. Or rather, Dr. Dyson made himself comfortable. I was not capable of being comfortable. Stevie Wonder's song, Uptight, was actually about me. Or, well, just the uptight part. I was absolutely uncomfortable in this situation. Dr. Dyson ordered a glass of wine, an appetizer, and I ordered a shot of Patron Añejo, uh, a uh, Sazerac, and a Grappa Chaser. Uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, a salute, I said, and, and downed all three drinks in a row. Drinks uh, helped. Dr. Dyson leaned forward in his seat, stared at me without blinking, and finally said, Relax, brother. Uh, uh, You're a little nervous. need to chill out. I'm not the enemy. I could feel the drinks working. 
With those words, it became clear that I was within pinching distance of greatness, and he didn't seem upset. But maybe he's doing a Robert De Niro or a Joe Pesci thing, and, and, and two goons would walk in any second, and Dr. Dyson would tell them, uh, yeah, this is the guy you're going to take care of. He doesn't seem like such a bad guy. Hurt him a little bit, but don't kill him. Final page for this reading, Dr. Dyson. You, you mean, uh, I, I'm not, you're not mad at me, I asked? Oh, hell no. In fact, I'm flattered and, uh, and bewildered at the same time by your audacity, impudence, Im impertinence, and fearlessness. Uh, oh, uh, is that good? Well, it depends on how you look at it, Dr. Dyson said. You know, ain't a lot of black men who will show up, uh, show the kind of outward love, respect, and admiration you do towards me, especially to another black man. Uh, you know, you, you're the one who threw your underwear on the stage when I le lectured uh, about my Obama book at Harvard. Uh, I looked away, embarrassed, uh, not sure whether to tell the truth or not. Well, uh, yes, uh, sir, Mr. Dyson, uh, that was me. God damn, he said, and banged the table with his fist. Then he laughed out loud. Crazy ass mofo. Uh, we had to fumigate the stage and burn those draws, man. What was you thinking? <laughs> I laughed a little. Well, I don't know. Women do it, at, it for Elvis and Tom Jones. I, I just thought it would be a nice symbolic gesture. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd walk home with... My, with uh, I'd walk home with no draws on for you. It, it, it wasn't anything sexual. It, 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 you know, uh, I just think, you know, you're a god. Well, let me tell you, brother. Only one god, and I ain't him. Uh, what I am is a man who wishes every black man, every white man was enthusiastic about my writing as you. Seriously, I said, feeling slightly more comfortable. I, I never even knew you paid any attention. Uh, uh, I'm just, you know, one person. Uh, uh, you must be loved by millions. Look here. I keep getting the good word out because it takes saying things over and over with people before it sinks in. And I have my own style. You know, writing is like singing and singing is like preaching and preaching is like painting. It's all tied together. Any way we can reach brothers like you, any way we can change how society thinks about us black people, and any way we can change how we have been trained to think about ourselves by a society that is angry we are even here is a good thing. You know, Dr. Dyson, I, I tell people about you and, and tell them that, that you write the truth, that you tell it like it is. I tell them to read your books or go see you anywhere they can to experience one of your intellectual improvisational uh, power social consciousness sermons and hear what I hear and I get blank stares a lot. White people don't get it that they are in recovery too. A lot of white people don't want to be racist, but they are surrounded by messages that encourage them to be. They're stuck in a social, intellectual grind. And to free themselves, they need to 